Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Yes, Lord, thank you that we can be here, Father. Thank you that you are good, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement, Lord. Thank you for this weekend, Father, for what you did for us, Lord, 2,000 years ago, standing as a banner, Lord, for all to see, Father, whenever we wander, Lord. But can it be true that, that the God that created everything loves me? And then you have fixed, Lord, the crucifixion of Jesus like a banner. Yes, I do. For all to behold. For God showed his love for us in that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Stands forever, Lord. Nothing can change that. But thank you, Lord, that we can pray, Lord, that that not just be something, Lord, that we see, Father, that we hear and that we know, Lord, but something that is a reality inside of us, Lord. Seeing the supremacy of Christ, Lord, the supreme worth, Lord, of following you, Lord. Counting the cost, Lord, and seeing that it's an easy cost to count. The things of this world don't compare to the worth of Christ, Lord, by no means. But we will forsake everything and follow you. Like Peter said, Lord, but Lord, we have left everything behind to follow you. And you say, Lord, that even being with you, Father, that is enough, Lord, but even with that, Lord, won't you give us hundredfold the life after this, Lord, everything that we've left behind. But the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, that we might know the things given us by God. And we pray, Lord, that we might walk out here, Lord, with a greater revelation of who you are, a greater desire, Lord, to follow you, to know you, to draw near, and to go and proclaim, Lord, to a broken world that there is a King who saves, and his name is Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, the last while we've been busy with a small sermon series called A Mile in the Shoes Of, we're going to continue with that today, but being Passover weekend, so fitting, we've been looking at the life of Timothy, and for those of you who haven't been with us this last while, we've looked at Timothy for three weeks now, and just to quickly recap for those of you, don't worry, you won't miss anything today, it's nice to see how the things work together, but if you weren't here, just a quick recap, but you won't miss anything tonight. We spoke about Timothy, you know, and the first question that we asked when looking at Timothy is how can we go further fast in life? Because Timothy was at a place where people said, listen here, they're going to despise you for your youth. Don't let them. Set them an example. They're going to think someone that's a bit more older, that has a bit more experience, that has seen a little bit more about life should be where you are. But don't worry, Timothy, you can set them an example. And the reason for that was teachability. If we have teachability, if we have, have that you know, humility and identity in Christ to ask the people around us, show us, teach us, and look at us, examine, to see where we can go further faster. We can be like Timothy and go further faster in life. Secondly, we looked at, okay, but how then do we build with the kingdom value? And we've had a couple of, of hard words these last couple of weeks, but tonight, like I promised last week, it's going to be an encouraging one to see why we do what we do. But we looked at kingdom focus of Timothy. I can see no one like you like Timothy because he has the things of Christ in mind. 
They all seek their own interest, but Timothy seeks the interest of Christ. And then in that we also saw the warning for us. Philippians 3 from the 17 that says, you know, look at the example of us. Walk according to it, because many of whom I have told you, I tell you now with tears in my eyes, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. The end is destruction. Their God is their bellies. They boast in their shame because they have minds set on earthly things. There's the warning. Don't lose focus. Keep Christ before you. And especially for us, you know, growing up in a culture that is Christian, it's important for us, especially on weekends like this, where the whole world seems to post things about Jesus. He's risen. The grave is empty. Everywhere to be seen. And then shockingly with some people only posting that on Easter weekend, they'll wait again till Christmas. Until they post, but a son was born unto us. Are you with me? We don't live for holy moments. But because Jesus did what he did, and he is who he is, our life should be holy, devoted unto him. Not just on Passover weekend, not just on Christmas, but my, my life proclaim continuously that Jesus is king. And in moments specifically like this, scripture tells us, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Are you seeking after God? Are you focused on the things of Christ? Are you seeking His interest? Because we can have that mind that is ours in Christ. Like we saw Philippians 2 from verse 5. Jesus being in the form of God, but humbling Himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that every knee will bow, every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Examine yourself. See if that focus is still there. To have a mindset in the things of Christ, this other orientated life, that was part two. And then last week, and we're going to continue with the same passage today. We looked at the charge given to Timothy. If you want to endure, if you want to say like Paul that you've finished the race, you fought the fight, you finished the race, you've kept the faith, then I give you this charge. Preach the word in and out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all patience and teaching. Because the time is coming when people will not endear sound teaching, but will have itching ears. And we know too that there will come times when our ears are itching. When we want to listen to stuff that is not in line with the truth of the gospel. But that's in line with our passions and our desires. Don't do that. And how do we do that? By continuously proclaiming the truth of who God is. Day in, day out. Because as we proclaim that truth... We stay in that truth. And that was the charge given to us. Fulfill your ministry. But today we're going to look at the encouragement. So we're busy with part four. And the title is Between the Cross and the Crown. And what it means is, you know, here we, we find ourselves. And as we're going to see Paul just in a moment, as we also read last week, he says he will receive the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award him and give to him in that day. And we also saw that Jesus Christ, as we're celebrating now, came to die for us 2,000 years ago. And where we find ourselves, like Paul did when he was writing the letter and where Timothy was receiving the letter, is between the cross and the crown. We look back and we see Christ crucified for us. And we look forward and we see a joyous crown that awaits us if we keep the faith. And we are in between that. The question that we ask ourselves is when we look at the cross and when we look forward to the crown, what does that mean for us? What should we see? 
here where we are now. So let's read together and see what we can learn from this passage. 2 Timothy 4, from verse 1 to 18. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endear sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the, the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Titius I've sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of your, him yourself, for we strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me, made not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And as we read through that passage, we see hard words spoken, like we said last week. I charge you, preach the gospel in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus that will judge the living and the dead. Hard words. There will come a time of itching ears, your ears will maybe itch as well. Don't give in to that. Don't scratch that. Preach the word. Be faithful in and out of season. Fulfill your ministry. Endure suffering to the work of an evangelist. But then we also see beautiful words. The righteous judge, Jesus, will give us the crown of righteousness when he comes on that day to all who have loved his appearing. The Lord strengthened me. The Lord stood by me. Beautiful words. But then we also see sad words. Diamas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. He didn't fight the fight. He didn't finish the race. He hasn't kept the faith. But because he lost focus, he has deserted me. And he will not be among those who have loved his appearing when Jesus Christ returns. He will not receive the crown. But then there's also words of encouragement. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And the question we ask ourselves with Paul between the cross and the crown is what gives him that assurance? Not the Lord might, not the Lord can, but the Lord will. He will rescue me from every evil deed and he will bring me safely into his kingdom. What gives him that assurance? 
What makes Paul so certain that God will? When we see that, when we focus on the encouragement that he gives to Timothy. Yes, he says, fulfill your ministry. And that is the charge and the reason why Paul writes him to be faithful, to continue the work. And the charge is to preach the gospel. But the reason why is seen from beginning to end. In the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Like we said here, with the focus of God that will bring him into his heavenly kingdom. Here in verse 18, and then we see the same in verse 1 and verse 8. And it says the following. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. This is the reason he's giving the charge. I love the Afrikaans says, Met die oog op, sy koms en sy koninkrijk. I give you this charge with a focus on his appearing and his kingdom. And then we see here in verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, between the cross and the crown, that is the crown I'm speaking of, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, when Jesus appears again. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved, He's appearing. And when scripture speaks about the appearing of Jesus Christ, it speaks about two things. There's two appearings. It was the first one when Jesus came 2,000 years ago that we celebrate today. He's risen. Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world. That we might know him. That we can come to him. And then there's another appearing. And that is when Jesus will come back. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, if you understand this, if you focus on both... You will see why I say with assurance that he will deliver me from every evil work. Because you need to have both. If you understand the work of Christ on the cross, you will look forward. Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, just before Jesus is crucified, everything building up to the crucifixion. And he says to them, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to go into heaven. But where I go... I'm going to my father's house who has many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not have told you. So that when I come back, you can be with me forever. And then after Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Understanding the cross, the reason for it. Not primarily to be free of sin, but to be found in Christ. And to be found in Christ, we have to be free of sin. For we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive together with Christ. So that we can be with Him for eternity. He didn't just come so that He can sanctify us, so that we can be holy here on earth. No, so that we can be with Him again for eternity. See, if we understand that work, there's nothing else but to look forward to in hope. Knowing that Jesus will come back. And he says we have to understand and look forward to the second coming. Knowing that Jesus will come back. It's important to have both. To focus on both. To remember both. Because if we forget Jesus Christ crucified. And we only focus on the second coming. We fall into dead works. And this anxiousness grips our heart. The king of kings is coming back. And I better be found. Having enough good deeds. So that he can be pleased with me. That is not the gospel. Our best works are filthy rags, Scripture says. No matter how hard you try to be good, unless you are found in Christ, not having a righteousness of your own that comes through the law, but the righteousness of God that depends on faith, it will be dead works. 
and it will be an awful day. And if we just focus on Jesus Christ on the cross, you know, and we have that mental ascent mentality that the traditional person has, that because Jesus did what he did, that must mean I'm just automatically saved. And we forget that Jesus Christ is coming back, then we fall into passivity. Nothing flows from our lives. Every single time, you know, of at least 90% of the time when it speaks about the second coming of Christ in Scripture, there's the words, stay awake. Stay awake. Jesus speaking to the disciples, no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man comes back, but blessed is the one that is awake when he comes. Blessed is the one that is at his post, doing what he was called to do when he comes. Jesus speaking in Revelations, I'm coming back soon. Hold fast to what you have. See to it that no one takes your crown. Remain vigilant. We all know the story of the ten virgins. Five of them took enough oil, five didn't. And when the Messiah came back, when the bridegroom came back, they did not stay awake. And when they went and fetched oil and came back and knocked against the door, he says, depart from me, you were not prepared, you were not awake, you were not ready, because you forgot that he is coming back. Stay awake. And when we understand both, certain things start to happen through our lives. And when we read through Scripture, we'll see mostly when Scripture speaks about the resurrection of Jesus, when it speaks about the summing, second coming of Christ, it speaks about it together. We read in Titus 2 from 11 verse 14. It's on the screens, but you can go and read that. I said, but Jesus Christ has appeared. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. And it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age as we wait. For that great day, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and sanctified us from sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness and gathered for himself a people zealous for good works. And as we understand both of those, the effect of what should happen in our lives take place. Zealous for good works, trained in righteousness, letting go of the things of the world because we understand that he did come to cleanse us and he's coming back get us we have to understand both and then with that with that focus in mind Paul says not just was the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ on the cross and not only do we look forward to the grace of God and coming back and so that we can be with him forever he's even going to reward us for the works of grace that he did through us come on that is the grace of God because he came and died and paid the price that we could not pay and saved us and filled us with his spirit to do the work through us. He will give us a crown of righteousness. Come on. That is the grace of God. We don't deserve that. 1 Corinthians 3, take care how you build upon this foundation. Because when he comes back and our works remain standing, he will give us a reward for what he enabled us to do. That is grace. So it's important for us to see both Jesus crucified, but also a white Jesus coming back. And it all begins with Jesus Christ on the cross. When we read, when we read about his first appearance to be crucified for us in Mark 15, verse 20 to verse 12 to 20, 
And we read, And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man? You call the king of the Jews. And they cried out, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowds, they released for them Barabbas. And whenever we read that story and we wonder who is Barabbas, that is you and that is me. We can put our names in there. The guy in jail, being there, founded, awaiting execution, deserving of death, gets released because the Son of God is crucified. And we can read our names in there. The death that we should have died. But we, like Barabbas, get set free because Jesus Christ is crucified. And we can read there. And Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowds, released for them Vian. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him. And kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak and put his clothes on him and they led him out to crucify. The Son of God endearing that for you and for me. Not something we deserve. At any moment there, Jesus could have stand up and he could have arrayed the armies of heaven coming down and taking every one of those people and nailed them to a cross. But he did that for you and for me. So that we might be with him forever. Even now when people kneel down before the king of kings. Bow homage to him. But only doing that in a weekend of the year because it's Passover. Because of Christmas that Jesus came. Not understanding that this is the king of kings. And the lord of lords. And we understand the rest of the story as Jesus on the cross says. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And as Jesus says in, late in that passage in verse 36, My Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus and the Father being together in the most intimate relationship that we could never imagine for ages past, and that moment gets separated so that you and I can enter into a relationship with God. And Jesus for the first time experiencing the Father turning his back on him, the presence of God leaving him. And for the first time in his life he's alone. For you and for me. And then Jesus says, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that beautiful words in John 19.30, it is done. It is finished. And the curtain of the temple tears in two so that we can again enter into a relationship with God. So that we can know him again. And if you don't love that appearing, then you will love nothing but yourself. Looking at that, Jesus Christ crucified for you and for me. And you know, many times, especially in recent days, there's been a theology that's going around, the gospel that's being preached, that when we look at the cross of Christ, we can see our value or our worth. That is not true. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not because we see the Son of God hanging on a cross. That must be what I was worth. No. 
That is not the truth. The cross does not display our value, but it displays our sinful, sinfulness. That is how far we have fallen short of the glory of God, and that is what it took to reconcile us to God again. That is not our worth. Because if you lose something, say it costs 10,000 rand, and someone picks it up, and you go to them and say, hey, I'll buy it back for 10,000 rand, that is not grace. That is not love and forgiveness. That is just buying something back that has that value. That is not what happened on the cross. The love of God was displayed, not the value of man. Romans 5.23 For God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not our value. Jesus speaks in Matthew 11 verse 11. He speaks about John the Baptist. And he says, For those born among women, none is greater than John the Baptist. None is greater than John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist himself says in John 1.27, But there's one coming after me who is much more worthy than I. I am not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. How much more him hanging on a cross for me. That is not our value. That is the love and the grace of God for sinful race. That is what was displayed on the cross. And we have to understand this because if we don't get that, we love little. Like Jesus said to the Pharisee, looking at that sinful woman washing his feet. But he who is forgiven much, love much. We have to understand what happened that day. But he that was forgiven little, loves little. It's not our value. It is the grace and love of God revealed for you and for me. And then there's the second coming. Jesus saying that I will come back because I've gone to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me forever. And then we read in Hebrews 9 verse 28 the following. It's on the screens. So Christ, again these two things in the same page. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, speaking about the first appearing, will appear a second time. Not to deal with the sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. To save those who have loved his appearing. To save those who are waiting for him. Like scripture says in Revelations. But the spirit and the bride says, come Lord Jesus, come. I'm waiting for you Lord. I'm looking at the world around me and the things of this world do not satisfy. They don't have my heart Lord, but you. To be with you. Come Lord Jesus, come. Eagerly awaiting the coming of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. They will be saved. And like Paul, maybe we appear before him before he appears to us. Like Timothy, maybe we appear before him before he appears to us. Not knowing when that day will come, but knowing that the one thing that is true that I eagerly await and expect, the coming of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then with that, with the grace of God being revealed for us, with that, there's the reward of the crown of righteousness, glory, and life that we will receive. We read in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Like we just read. 1 Peter 5 verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Revelations 2.10. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Many passages of scripture. James 1 verse 12, but blessed is he 
You remain steadfast under trials, for you will receive the crown of life that God will give to those who love him. Revelations 3.10, like we just said. Jesus speaking, I'm coming back soon. Hold fast to what you have. See to it that no one takes your crown from you. And the question that we ask ourselves is when we look at these things, when we look at Jesus that did come and die for us on the cross, and when we look forward to Jesus that will come and reward us for the works of Christ that he did through us, and so that we can be with him forever, what does that mean here and now between the cross and the crown? It's when we see the love and grace of our God in Jesus Christ crucified for us, and when we look forward on how good and how gracious God will be towards us, then we can say with confidence, like Paul said here in 2 Timothy 4, verse 17 to 18, we can say, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, but God will stand by me and he will strengthen me. And we can say like, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom, because if that is how much God loved me to send his son to die for me, and if that is how gracious he will be towards me, in rewarding me for the work that he has done through me, then surely I can know that even now the goodness of God is with me. Then surely he is good to me now. Surely he will be with me now. Surely he will carry me through now. If he loved me so much that he sent his son, if his grace is so big that he will reward me on that day when he comes back, surely he will lead me from the cross to the crown. That takes us to point number four. A mile in the shoes of Timothy, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And to those of you who say that point number four sounds a bit familiar, that is Philippians 1 verse 6. Just like that, taken out of Scripture. And we ask again, Paul, why are you sure that God who began a good work will bring it to completion? Because I see the goodness of God in Jesus displayed on the cross. And I see the goodness of God awaiting me when Jesus comes back. That is why I am sure that even now the goodness of God will be with me and he will lead me to that day. As long as I hold fast to what I have, no one else will take my crown. You know, the guy that wrote that song, Amazing Grace, he understood this. I don't know who of us know the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. That is grace, God saving us. But then late in that same song, it says, Through many dangers, toils, and strife, we have already come. Grace has brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. And grace will lead us home. If grace saved me, if grace brought me through all of this, then I am certain of this, that grace will lead me out. And this doesn't mean that you will get everything you want and receive everything that you want to receive, and that you will be free of sickness and persecution. No, nobody knows that more than Paul writing it at that moment. He's awaiting execution to be killed with a sword for the sake of the gospel. And he's saying this is not being free of hardship. This is being free of the evil of this world that lets me let go of the focus that lets me let go of faith that will hinder me from not finishing the race god will deliver me from that and he will bring me into his kingdom because that is the goal not having everything we want now it's not your best life now but it's to be with christ for eternity i'm sure that he will lead me there through all of it 
through the hardship, through the persecution, through the sickness, through death, Jesus will stand by me and he will lead me into his kingdom. And I will want to leave us with this last verse. John 10, 27 to 30. In that same passage, Jesus saying that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That is the context. This is the people of who Jesus is speaking. Those who hear his voice and those who follow him. That is for who the following promise is. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Nobody can snatch you from the hand of God if you remain there fixed on him. You can walk out on your own. But if you remain there fixed on Jesus, no evil will come near you. But he will deliver you from every evil deed and he will bring you safely into his heavenly kingdom. Because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he gives eternal life. And he protects those who are his. Amen. Let's stay in the hands of the good shepherd. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Knowing that he was good for us, he will be good for us, and surely now he is good for us. I just want to encourage us, there we are, why don't you do, like scripture says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Have you loved his appearing? Are you looking forward to the second coming of Christ? Are you staying awake knowing that Jesus will come back? Because if you are not, scripture says that, it's not in raising your hand in church. It's not about coming forward and praying with someone. It's not about walking 30 times around the building. It's about repenting, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, following Jesus. That is you tonight. Won't you just, in your own, again repent. Turn to Christ. If you haven't been baptized, go and be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But obey God, follow Him with everything in you. Because tomorrow morning when you wake up, it is you and God. And you need to draw near. You need to let go of worldly things so that you can take hold of Him. That is you tonight. Why don't you just turn your heart to Him again. Say, Lord, here I am. I repent. I turn to you, Lord. I follow you with everything in me. Give me a love, Lord, for the things of Christ. And make my heart call to the things of this world so that I might be found in you that day when you come back. Come and do, Lord, what only you can do. Renew my heart.